0: Biggest games. Oh God, look at the, the biggest events. Wow, the, crowd is on their feet. the biggest stories. This is
1: what you signed up for, Seth.
0: I, I thought it was your in the game. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast.
1: what's up everyone welcome back to the espn esports podcast i'm rachel and i'm joined by jacob today on the desk and we have tyler Erzberger as well calling in from beautiful seattle washington where he's traveling around with his trusty whiteboard to cover the International 2017. We are also talking about LCK Finals madness, as well as our favorite nostalgic moments from Season 4 League of Legends World Championships.
2: So on a scale of one to trouble, how in trouble will I get if I post the picture of the donkey from the International and I say, he is an ass and we won't be working with him again?
0: I think it's vague enough. Like, it's a donkey. No? That's the joke.
2: We don't like,
1: censor yeah, it, so it's fine. doing it. just FYI, this is not a verbal approval. All right, I just that... did it.
2: I just posted he is a <laughs> and we won't be working with him again, and it's yeah. a picture of a I think, donkey. I
1: think it's
0: I think it's witty enough, and I think it's like, <laughs> no, I don't, yeah, I think that's like a truck having trouble. I think, like, yeah, that's, that's nothing. That's fine. It's
2: a donkey. So we Literally, literally yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Tarika,
2: to to catch you up to speed on the meme, uh, a year ago, the founder of Valve, which is a giant game studio that develops Dota 2, which we're talking about today, posted about a caster who, um, like, was basically very unprofessional at an event, and he said, James isn't and we won't be working with him again, is what he said in a Reddit post. And so my my meme is that one of the, the flying courier who delivers packages in Dota 2 to the player from the base, he is a flying donkey, and so they they actually brought in a livestock donkey at the event this weekend.
1: A livestock donkey, as if you're gonna like eat the donkey again? No, no, oh, no. I'm so going he's going.
2: he's an alive donkey. He's a livestock, and they brought in the donkey and dressed him up as the flying courier. So my joke is for Twitter. He isn't, an and we won't be working with him again because he's a donkey.
1: Wow. Okay, Jacob. on a scale of one to ten, you have to rate that, joke, Tarika. I mean, well, I get it. So I would give it maybe a seven and a half, eight. If I- you're a Dota fan
2: who sees that, you're gonna laugh. You're like gonna that's laugh. the point. Yeah. That's the point. Like it's supposed to be an inside joke.
1: Hey, do it for the meme.
2: And it's literally the picture that I have is a picture of the donkey.
1: All right. Speaking of the donkey, let's dive into the international. Tyler, you're there this weekend in beautiful Seattle. Give us the lowdown on your adventures so far. I've seen you walking around with your whiteboard all over Twitter so far.
0: Uh, Yeah, that whiteboard has given me more content than Valve has. So <laughs> thank you to Dota Buff for your great... I want to thank DotaBuff for their great whiteboard. I mean, it's given me so much content.
1: <laughs> Tyler, I feel like this is an appropriate time for a rage segment. Like, both me and Jacob have had our rage segments. You should give a rage segment about Valve's lack of media support at the International.
0: Uh, Valve, I like you. you. You get you have some great games, but I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed at your lack of caring. I, I, I don't want to blame the teams. I don't want to blame anyone else except Valve because Valve doesn't care. I that Valve couldn't, couldn't make a media day or or have a media set up at the International that made sense and, you know, had the players talk to, you know, set up actual interviews. But they don't because they don't care. Because their Valve, they made, what, over $60 million, $70 million off their compendium this year. They don't care. They don't care about me. They don't care about the guy who came over from China to write an article. They don't care. They they literally put us in a giant ballroom and were like, hey, here are all the teams. When they come in, run at them and try to get one. It was literally like being back in middle school. The teams would walk in all all not wanting to talk by the way. Most of them just came in like, hey, uh, we're not even wearing our jerseys. We're just here because we're, we're forced to be here. And then they would stand there awkwardly, and then about 30 people would get up out of their seats, shuffle over, and ask, hey, um, could we talk to this player? Could we talk to that player? I saw people actually go up and just grab someone, like, grab a player's arm and be like, hey, I'm from this site. Can you please interview with me? And then to just amplify the, the, non, the, the, the lack of care, the lack of just... General thought that Val put behind this. If there was, there was maybe I, I think there were translators. I think there were translators for like one translator for the Chinese teams, like one chain, like with with an international. It's called the international. It's not just, like not everyone speaks every freaking language. That's at the stupid event, but they have one translator for one. Like, like I want to do it with a Chinese player. And there's one Chinese translator and, like, 20 different media outlets. How am I supposed to talk to these Chinese players when I have to find A, the translator who's around the ballroom, who's not specified, and then I have to grab a Chinese player and ask him, like, I want to go out with them. It's, a ter- it's, it's like, it was like a zoo, and it was terrible. And while, I mean, I don't really want to blame players, because, I mean, Evil Geniuses, OG, Digital Chaos, Team Liquid, they were great to work with. They were, like, if, if you go up to them and talk to them, or, it, w- it was awesome. And I don't want to play the Chinese teams or the Filipino teams or the teams from Peru or the teams, you know, out of country, because they probably had no direction. Their players, like, show up, people walk up to you, do your interviews, and leave.
1: Dude. And at the end of the
0: day, Valve doesn't care. Valve is making money, just money's raining from the sky, and... Media is not that important to them. They don't care if we write, you know, a huge feature on a player. or And players, at the end of the day, don't really care about getting a feature because all, all they care about is winning the TI Grand Prize. Because if you win the TI Grand Prize, you you walk away with $2 million by yourself.
1: All right, before we move on to Jacob, I feel like that deserved a round of applause.
2: So I agree. Uh, as, as two people said in the studio who went to the International last year and wasted a week of time... As much fun as it was to watch the event. The thing is, is the valve is. The Valve is one of the developers that does not think that they need esports to make their game succeed. They'll support it once a year but Dota is only very relevant in the news cycle once a year and it's around the international and it's around things like prize pools or any big scandals that come up around it or like if we saw a few months ago uh, several sites had published that it might not be in the US because of the Trump travel ban so like that is the only time that Dota is very relevant in the media I don't want to say it's not relevant at a game because it certainly is and in terms of viewership it is probably the second or third biggest game in the eSports ecosystem, first and second being League of Legends and Counter-Strike, which is also a Valve game. But across both Counter-Strike and Dota, Valve does a terrible job at being able to put, uh, put media where they should be. The only reason the majors work the way they do in Counter-Strike is because there are third-party organizers who are organizing those tournaments and will help, whether that be ESL or DreamHack or E-League right. or PGL. Valve does not give a to be fair, so, there
1: were some teams that were happy to work with us, like MVP, ET, sure, sure. but it's just Liquid.
2: There were yeah, there yeah. were several that that were like very there were several that were very accommodating to us, so I don't want to diss the teams, but Valve should definitely help a little bit more. Right. I I believe that there is somewhere healthy when it comes to media relations. I believe there is somewhere healthy in between what Riot does and what Valve does. And there are people like E-League who like kind of like move in that little sphere that I, I'm very happy with how they handle things, right? So Riot, for, for those unfamiliar, is very hands-on, sometimes a little too hands-on, and I've had that in- encounter a little too many times uh, where they're very hands-on and they're very overbearing, and sometimes a Riot representative has to sit in on an interview with you. I interviewed a Korean player last year at Worlds, and it was clear clear that the uh, Korean player was talking trash mm-hmm. from what I understand of his language, yeah. and the translator completely like acted like he wasn't saying that. And it was a Riot-hired translator. So the thing is is that um, that is way too hands-on. That's overbearing. Valve is way too hands-off. And I think people like E-League and ESL, I go to their events, and they they have this list of, like, tell us who you want. Like, I just registered for E-League Week 1 for the next CSGO event. CSGO event in September, right? And I got my media credential, and they ask in the form, like, who do you want to talk to? And so I put it in there. But they fully expect me, and they communicate with me on the fact of, like, do you know this team? If you know this team, and you don't need our help, let us know. We won't bother you. So, but, like, if I don't know the team, then they'll go out of their way to help me. So I think that's, like, fairly healthy. I don't think what Riot does, and I don't think what Valve does is healthy at all.
1: I mean, I think the biggest tragedy is that this sets a precedent for all future Dota events run by Valve, and I still have hope for Dota because you know, they're moving towards a more grassrootsy kind of culture, so I do think that third-party organizers entering the scene will make it much easier for the media to have access to these teams, or maybe they'll structure it in a way where, you know, it's not like a free-for-all at the buffet where you're just, like, trying to get the crab legs.
2: I'm all for building relationships with teams and managers. That's part of the job, right? That's part of our job, and if You're going to sit there and complain that, like, no one will talk to you. That's probably because you, like, haven't encountered them enough and haven't gone on your way before the event, which you should always do. But you should also get some help of the people who are running it and who are mandating these people to be there in the first place.
1: Yeah, well, I I think that stems from an issue with game developers basically feeling like they don't owe the media anything. Um, Fine, that's your prerogative, but then don't expect us to give you support when you send us bullshit boilerplate PR releases. But moving on to a subject that is much more interesting. The TI7 prize pool this year broke records in esports. Uh, I kind of wanted to talk about what this means for esports as a whole. And Tyler, why do you think other game developers aren't following Valve's compendium format? Like, League of Legends had a $5 million prize pool, and that was, like, kind of atrociously sad. I, I've had long discussions with
0: uh, higher ups in the uh, esports riot. You know, department, and I've been like, hey, if you if you did what Valve did and you made something that was comparable—not even comparable—if you made something that was ten percent of the compendium and you sold it to you know your worldwide audience, I think the League of Legends price pool could literally, I think it could be over fifty million easily, maybe even more. I mean, just thinking of how much China would buy, like, would would you know produce and, and grow the price pool. Along with every other- like major country or region that follows league legend, they can easily go over fifty million sixty million so it would it would be it would break, they would break numbers easily but Ryan's stance, as i've always they've always told me it doesn't matter the person they've always pretty much been very like stable on saying we don't want to do that because like when it's like they want to be compared like to the super Bowl or the n b a championship like. People win money when they win the Super Bowl and then when they win the NBA title. Like, they win just for winning that series or that, you know, the big game. But pe- don't, no one talks about that. No one talks about the money. They they talk about, you know, the trophy and the prestige and the league. They don't want people to talk about the prize money. They want people to talk about, you know, winning the Suners Cup and, you know, being like they want to talk about Faker's legacy, or the team who beats Faker, or the team that finally wins the championship. Instead of saying, "Wow, that team won the Aegis, but
1: also, did you
0: know that they won twenty-four million dollars?
1: Exactly, and, and I, I think, think that brings in a good point. Like legacy is very short in esports, and money is forever. So,
0: yeah, I think that's. I mean, that's the main. Re- also, the second reason is that it also is can be a scary slope to play on because. Obviously Dota 2 is doing really well. But what if next year for whatever reason people just didn't buy the convenient as much and it went from twenty four million to twenty one million, which still is a hell of a lot of money. And Valve is gonna still be making 'cause they, is like, gonna be making money rings from the sky, but you know, people are gonna look at that from the casual sense and be like, huh, it's it was twenty four last year, twenty one this year, Dota to the dead game. And that's what Riot really doesn't want. They don't want some sort of, like, fluctuation where having one down year or having one year where something out of their control makes their game look like it's dying or taking a step back when their whole with their franchising and everything else is pretty much pushing forwards towards a long, sustainable future.
2: So I think one thing we're forgetting here is the revenues that you make for being in these positions in the first place. Um, so in a sports comparison, our colleague Darren Ravell tweeted around the time of the NBA championship this year that if the Golden State Warriors 4-0 that they would lose several tens of millions rather than having a prolonged series based off like television revenues and sponsorship revenues, et cetera, that are in favor if they play more games and are on camera more. Um, there is some comparables uh, to that in League of Legends and Counter Strike in particular. In League of Legends, we have the icons which have uh, we have the icons which are rev shared. Uh, the Worlds icons that have the logos of each team that is competing, and that is partially rev shared back to the team. So even if you don't win the event, you get a lot of revenue, and they keep those on sale for Afterworlds, So ev- all the bandwagon fans of like, oh, we won, you know, they won Worlds. Let me buy their icon. So there- there's one of your revenue streams. But if you're also in a World Final where like. There's 16 million viewers, right, on, like, one match across all streams across the globe. You're probably easier to get sponsorships for, too, because your team now has all the eyes on you. So with that in mind, I think that there are a lot of revenues that, that we forget. And in Counter-Strike, that would be, like, the signature stickers and the team stickers for each major, which are also revenue-shared. Um, Dota doesn't have that. So uh, that 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 is the types of revenue I think that we're we're often forgetting in this argument and essentially that are more stable across the board than just saying, hey, we're giving you a prize pool where you have to win to get the money.
1: All right, more ESPN esports in a moment, but first we'd like to hear from you. Whether you're new to the podcast or have been listening for some time, we'd like to know how we're doing. Leave us a rating and a review, and if you like what you hear, make sure you're subscribed so we're easy to find next time. And if you subscribe in the ESPN app, we can send you an alert whenever we have a new episode. And you can always tweet us your thoughts at ESPN underscore esports or at Rachel young at Jacob and Wolf, and at Fionn on Fire. And we're back with the ESPN esports podcast. Let's move away from TI7 for just a second. Uh, I want to talk about the LCK because they're heading into playoffs this week and something kind of unexpected happened in the final weeks. Uh, We haven't really talked about League of Legends for a while, but if you've been following our power rankings... Headed by our lovely Tyler Erzberger, you know that there's a new sheriff in town. TLDR Long Tzu has basically usurped SKT and looks like the clear contender to qualify for worlds and likely maybe even win worlds this year. Um Tyler, what are your thoughts on this sudden rise?
0: Long Zhu <laughs> are probably gonna lose to SKT in the
1: playoffs. What the <laughs> Wow, okay. Um I did not expect that. But, I mean, do you feel like the field in LCK has been more even this time around with Samsung, KT, SKT, and Longzhu all looking pretty even? Or do you think SKT is still the clear front runner no matter what?
0: I think that in terms of power, like if you're we playing Dragon Ball Z over here and we're saying which what are these teams' power levels, they're all pretty comparable. The only difference is that we are now going away from the best of three format to the best of five format with days of preparation in between, which is where KT, not not KT, SKT, the superior KT uh, has, you know, that's where, that's where they make their bucks. That's where they, that's their bread and butter, where if you can be SKT in a best of five in any competition, you, you, that's, that's huge. Like it's not something that happens every day. Sometimes it doesn't even happen that year. So I love Longju. I think Longju is the most fun team to watch. I think they'll make Worlds. I really hope they do make Worlds because I want to see them in China. But when it, like, when push comes to shove, and you were telling me, who do I bet on to win the entire LCK playoffs? I'm still taking SKT. They they look like they've Finally rebounded, got the rust off after you know their little zero and eight run after Rift rivals. Bang might still be like criticized by the community for eating whoppers and you know saying. Dude, what's wrong with
1: eating whoppers? So apparently,
0: it was like it was like uh, he said he hates Burger King in a video, and then like a minute later he ate he ate two whoppers in the video. But people (laughs) think he's like untrustworthy. Ah. You can't trust him because he hates Burger King with eight two whoppers.
1: I see. The hypocrisy of mean, can you
0: trust in Rachel?
1: <laughs> Dude, I'm a five guys girl, so I don't trust anyone who says that they like Burger King. Or otherwise. I
2: don't even think Burger King is comparative to Five Guys. They're, like, on two different levels. Agreed. Cajun think,
1: fries at 10 points. I think, like, I think Shake too. Shack
2: and, and Five Guys are sort of comparable. I don't think that they're, like, necessarily on level. I like Five Guys better. But I think that, that like, Burger King is, like, just, like, McDonald's-style fast food, whereas, like, Five Guys is a little bit better.
1: Have so. you ever had In-N-Out?
2: Yes. Yes, I have.
1: Oh. Is it good?
2: That's okay. It's
1: is okay. it better than... Shake Shack.
2: I like Shake Shack better than In and Out, and I like Five Guys better than both.
1: Ooh, that's takes. my
2: that's my burger. What tank.
1: are your thoughts, Tyler, Mister La?
0: Uh, I'm just making a, a public announcement right now. Um, bang! Um, I know you. I know you're out there. I know you're listening. I know you're a big fan of the pod. <laughs> I know that you listen every week. <laughs> and I'm telling you right now. I mean, in Korea, they they look. I mean, they'll get mad you for for trash talking. They'll get mad at you for saying you make too much. you make like ten hundred thousand times more than the people criticizing you. They'll get mad at you for eating Whoppers or any kind of hamburger you want. But if you come to America, if you come to the NALCS where the real boys play. Not not <laughs> Korea. Not not Korea. I mean, it's a pretty good league. It's okay. But if you come to the to the NALCS where the real champions play, we'll, we'll welcome you with open arms. We'll take you to I, Shake Shack. I mean, we'll we've seen
2: we've seen how a garbage world champion that used to be on SKT gets treated like a king. So imagine if a good world champion that's on SKT comes to North America.
1: Wow. Think about it's it. Man. Writing words.
2: Think about it.
1: All right, so we're in agreement that on our power rankings for burgers, Five Guys is number one. No. Tyler.
2: Tyler disputes this. It's in and out
1: I don't know. I haven't tried it. So. I mean, if we're,
2: we're talking about overall burgers, there's better burger places, but if we're talking about like chain burgers, chain burgers I, I think Five course. Guys are good. There, there's a place in, in Texas called Hopdotty, and that's like the best burgers I've ever eaten in my entire life, but like they aren't chain burgers.
1: Tariko, what are your thoughts on this? I have absolutely no thoughts on this. This was a taco discussion. That's totally different. Oh uh, well,
2: that's a heated discussion oh. with me. Yeah, don't take me down that road.
1: Bar taco, hey. i I am,
2: I am, I am a uh, taco fanatic who only likes soft tortillas, and hard shells are not allowed in front of me. I cannot
1: believe that you are a true tortilla fan when you can't even say soft shells, Jacob.
2: It's not soft shells; <laughs> it's tortillas, and they are wonderful.
1: All right, listen, Jacob. You're basically an Austin native at this point, and Tyler, you're from LA, and they're both known for tacos. So I want to see you guys debate. Which city has the best tacos?
2: Is that even a debate? I mean, I think Texas Texas rivals Texas proper, rivals Mexico proper. And I literally went across the border, five minutes across the border, found tacos in Mexico, and those things were bomb. Best tacos I've ever had in my entire life in Progreso, Mexico.
1: Tyler? I
0: mean, we have this place in uh, LA. It's kind of a secret. Not a lot of people know about it. I I think it's called Taco Bell. Oh my god! It, it, it's
1: uh, get
2: that crap out of here. High established place. Dude,
0: honestly, though, no, L.A. has better tacos than Austin. Even though I haven't been, I can't really say though. So. I haven't been to Austin. Jacob has the advantage here where he's been in L.A. and had L.A. tacos. I
2: had car wash tacos with with Ryan, uh, where there was a taco place in a car wash. I think you were I was there. there. Yeah, with yeah you were there. Yeah, yeah. He took us to this taco place that was inside of a car wash, and it was like really good, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Texas slash Mexican level tacos.
1: I think that's a fair, that's a fair analysis. I will throw out there that maybe the third best tacos I've ever had come from a small community in
2: Michigan called Mexican village. And it is freaking awesome. I mean, honestly, probably the, the third best tacos I've ever had. If Wait. you if you are a listener to the pod and you're in the eight six oh area code, there's a place called Los Adobes in West Hartford and I would very much encourage you to go there. This hey, is the that's best, me. It is the best place in that area it code. is the best place in uh the Hartford greater area in terms of tacos.
1: Wow. Hello, check it out. How did this Mr. conversation <laughs> turn from esports to burgers to tacos? All right, all right, let's let's get back into let's get back into it. So the question I have now for you is that what are the chances of Longzoo actually, you know, showing up during playoffs and, you know, giving SKT a run for their money? What are the chances that they up their game so that they can actually win Worlds? Tyler?
0: To, to win Worlds? I mean, the potential is there. I think the issue here is that everyone's overlooking is that this team is only, has only been together for one split. And they are, and as we saw in the KT series, which – KT just ran over Longju is that their weakest point is their jungler, who is is Cuz, who is 17 years old, supremely talented, but he's also very raw. Jungler is the role that's most difficult to transition from solo queue to professional play, just because you have to change everything. You have to learn your player, your teammates' techniques, their habits. You need to learn the other uh, jungler's jungle path thing. It's the difficult addition to transition. You just can't go from solo queue to uh, the pro scene and be the best jungler ever. It's just not going to happen. I mean, even Peanut took you know a year to actually find his full form.
1: All right, then let ah, me was... le- let me pose this question: Do you really want to see SKT win another world championship?
0: Ooh, ah, oh, oh man, I really do <laughs> want to write some more fakers Michael Jordan pieces. So it's kind of a difficult you know dilemma here, but I think. I mean, I think for the good of the game, I think the best outcome is SKT in the finals at the Bird's Nest, 90,000 people, and SKT versus who? It could be any team. It could be, you know, Longju, World Elite, EDG, you know, TSM. <laughs> You know, any, any of those teams, you know, I, I think just having SKT versus another international team in the finals and that and SKT losing would be an actually amazing storyline and event for the scene. Even though I love SKT and I'm totally fine if they win the next 20 world championships, I think the best thing for League of Legends is that they're in the finals because they're, I think the storyline of people trying to take it in SKT is an amazing storyline. I think it's better that they are at Worlds. But I think if a team could beat them at the World Finals in front of 90,000 fans, that would be a scene that no one will ever forget.
2: And one of the best World's tournaments ever in League of Legends is Season 4, where yes! they were not there, and, Sam- the and Samsung White won. But Samsung Blue was the winner of the summer split. So you went into it where one Samsung team was better than the other, and they had to meet in the semifinals, and the, the one that had placed lower in the summer rankings but were considered the better team were absolutely the ones that won that semifinal and then won the tournament. And SKT was not there. They did not qualify for that tournament. So I think uh, overall that was one of the best world championships of all time. So I'd like to see another one without SKT there to see what it it favors up. But, like, there's a very slim chance that they don't go to Worlds, period.
1: And we need to bring back sister teams, dude. I miss sister teams so much. The rivalry and, like, how much better they got competing with each other. It's just, like, it was a different time back then, and I miss it.
2: I think that was, like, peak League of Legends in terms of actual yeah. skill.
0: Yeah.
1: Was that your favorite Worlds, Tyler?
0: Uh, hmm. My favorite? I mean, yeah. I actually think, yeah, two and four Worlds was, I mean, Korea is, I think, the best place to host a World Championship, to be perfectly honest. I think the finals was great. Magic Dragons played a concert with Samsung White awkwardly in the background, not knowing what to do. That was great. Yeah, I think season I think we go season four worlds is one, season six worlds two, season three worlds three, season four worlds five, uh, season two worlds four, season I, I don't yeah the rest of the rest it's too difficult.
2: I do think that uh, season four worlds still presents, and I still do this today when I'm introducing someone to esports who is unfamiliar with it. I think season four worlds is what you show them um, because yeah, I think. Yeah, agreed. I think from a spectacle uh, perspective. Oh, and oh, Evo is on the television now. But uh, <laughs> from a spectacle perspective, looking at um, looking at that opportunity and seeing them pack out the Korean World uh, World Cup stadium and like the concert with Imagine Dragons and just like the whole the whole entire production around that—that that is what you show someone and they go, "Wow!" And I think they get it pretty easily. Whereas if you show them other competitions, even ones in some of the biggest arenas in the states, like uh stable center worlds last year and madison square garden and all of that like it doesn't it doesn't resonate as hard i don't feel uh as it does when you show them season 4 worlds
1: yeah and season 4 worlds is also one of those tournaments where like i remember certain moment certain moments so fondly like when um when royal was playing tsm in the group stages don't ask me why i remember this and i remember at the time i was like a very anti tsm fan for some reason Uh-oh. And I just remember um, Insect going off on his Rangar and just, like, getting sped up by Zillion in the bot lane and just, like, crushing TSM and winning that game. And I, it's just one of those moments where, like, one of those tournaments, rather, that you can just, like, look back and think of a memory or conjure a memory at the drop of a hat.
2: Yeah, I mean, my, one of my favorite memories from that was the uh, Cloud9 cloud High's uh, Great Escape of, like, trying to yes. sneak, sneak through the bushes oh, on Zed and, like, just dodge minions, and finally he got caught, and they lost the game. But uh, <laughs> it, was still, it was still funny, nonetheless. I think that that tournament um, is definitely impactful. I think that that was the tournament that also made a lot of wealthy, uh, wealthy investors and everything come back and want to be in esports. For so. sure.
1: Do you have a favorite moment from that tournament, Tyler?
0: Uh, I think the thing I like the most about the tournament is that even though Samsung White was, like, clearly the most <laughs> superior team, I think everyone below that was very close. I think, I mean, if you actually talk to people who scrimmed and were there, like, as, as you know, as meme as it sounds, TSM was really well-respected that tournament. So was, was Cloud9? Yeah, hey, so it was Cloud9. Like, if, they, if those two teams didn't get the bracket luck of getting Samsung Blue and Samsung White, NA really should have probably had a semifinalist. If TSM or Cloud9 were on the other side of the bracket with, like, Nodge and Whitesword and the Chinese teams, we, really, we, we honestly could have seen an NA team in the finals. And that's not memeing or being hyperbolic. Like, TSM and Cloud9 were really doing well. Like, Samsung White was killing everyone and embarrassing everyone. But they, like I heard that TSM and Cloud9 were doing pretty well against Samsung Blue, and they were doing extremely well against the other team. It was just TSM had their issues, and they drew Samsung White in the quarterfinals, and they got bopped. And <laughs> I just think that's you know it was a really fun tournament. In the fact where a lot of teams had chances to go far, and in the end, one team was superior than the rest, but. Besides that, it was a lot of, like, really close teams. And I think that's what makes the best worlds.
1: Damn, I'm feeling so nostalgic right now. Bring back 2014.
2: Bring it back. Just with the new game, to be honest. Or, like, with an updated art style.
1: Let's talk about Imagine Dragons for a second. Because after they released that song for League of Legends, what was it called? Warriors. Warriors, dude. (laughs) Every sport started using that song. Like, the NBA, soccer, everything. It was
2: commissioned by Riot, and, like, that song is probably among their most popular songs next to, like, Radioactive. So, yeah, like, kind of ridiculous.
1: Yeah. You're welcome, NBA. (laughs) And soccer. (laughs) Um, It didn't work
0: out for so well.
1: It's very true. Um... (laughs) Well, I like how we went from a discussion about Longzhu and the LCK to a very sad and nostalgic discussion about our favorite World's Moments from Season 4. All right, well, that's a great way to wrap things up. That's our podcast for today. Thank you, Jacob and Tyler, for joining me. For more esports features and content, you can check out ESPN.com esports, or you can follow us on Twitter at Rachel Younggu, at Jacob and Wolf, at Fionn on Fire, and at SheKnowsSports underscore. See you guys next week.
0: Can I give a final word on Valve? I just want to say one more thing to Valve.
1: Oh, yeah, sure. Tyler, go ahead.
0: Valve, if you're listening, I I, I know that you make probably 10 million times more money than I'll ever make. (laughs) I know that you host one of the most successful esports tournaments in the world. And it's actually very fun to go to. It's a very fun event. Lots of nice people there. And I know... Like you don't really care about me since, you know, I, I write about League of Legends and you think that's, you know, a, a, an inferior version of your game. But I'm begging you, please, please, just assign some people to be, you know, specific media communicators. It's not that hard. Just, just, just care a little. i Jack. Please work with me again. That's all I have to say.
2: He's in, and we will not be working with him again.
0: (laughs) Thanks for listening to the ESPN Esports Podcast.